Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoccom forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoccom and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And if in your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SASDoc founder membership. This podcast is sponsored by G2, the place for buying, selling, and reviewing software. All audiences aren't built equally. Learn to connect with interested and engaged buyers at the right time with G2 Buyer Intent. Uncover who's researching your product so you know when to reach out and what to say. Sell more and close bigger deals by sending personalized messages directly to buyers ready to talk tech. G2, smarter software decisions made together. Join the community at www.sell. G2.com/sastock. Most of the successful CEOs, what else? You know, I'm I'm just observing, like you know, a lot of them. You know, like you keep a couple of people ahead of you, right? You monitor them, you watch them, what you are, what they are doing, and you want to mimic, and you you get there. The learning is one thing, basically. You know, like uh, when you run a company, you need to have a hold of pretty much everything. You cannot be a master of uh, everything, but at least you know enough. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show, uh, Saravana Kumar, uh, CEO of uh, Kovai. Uh, welcome, Saravana. Yeah, thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me on the talk again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good to good to have you. Uh, you know, back on. We we had a great conversation last time, and uh, so this is always like a part two. Obviously, you know, could have carried that on because there's a lot there, which I think is really you know interesting, valuable for for our listeners. And 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 last time we kind of talked about. Um, your journey to 10 million uh, ARR, um, you know, is a multi-product company um, that, that you've built. But actually, a lot of stuff that we couldn't cover, and often is the case in, in in 30 minutes. And 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 here we thought it'd be like fascinating, like both of us, just to really talk about maybe uh, say like some of the the odds that you've overcome, and uh, you, you know, you've had that success, and say you know the, the 10 million sort of ARR. Um, uh, but bucking against some of the conventional wisdom, some of the things that that you've done uh, to get there, uh, and I think these these being, and uh, I think like you mentioned, um, you were involved in the, this uh, Freshworks uh, uh, event, uh, which was called Against All Odds, um, uh, a great event, I, I believe, and they they said there's kind of like three things um, that. Uh, that would definitely make it a lot harder for you to, to succeed, right? And, and put the odds against you. Uh, one of these being a technical founder, uh, scaling a business. One of these is bootstrapping, making the decision to bootstrap your business and not, not raise, not de-risk, et cetera. Uh, and one of them is 
being a single founder and not a, not a co-founder. And uh, so it seems like you, you like to go against the odds and because you're all three of those. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, like let, we, let, let's sort of dig into that and, you, you, you know, talk about kind of one by one and then how you've overcome sort of those challenges, why you made these choices and, um, you, you know, and how you've overcome that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm super interested to get into that. Um, how does that sound? Yes, yeah, sure, sure, Alex. You know, like uh, I would say, you know, none of them are intentional. Like it's not that you know I really wanted to go against all odds and prove the whole like what I can do. Like I would say, it's all happened uh, organically without your uh, any intention. Like uh, it just naturally, you know, that's what happened. And when you look at it after ten years, it's ten years. It's you know, you can hear everybody calls yourself a startup, but in spite of number of years and whatever revenue you are. So our journey is a, a literally 10 years. 2011 is when we started, when, you know, when I started and now grown into like a 200 people plus company. Uh, but everything happened you know, organically. Like uh, I'm, I'm a technical fellow, like, you know, even today I'm more inclined towards uh, technology and even the, within the company, a lot of my core responsibilities are on the product side. Uh, than on marketing and sales and uh, those kind of uh, areas. So uh, uh, that's how, you know, like, uh, uh, you, you know, like a like lot of founders, like the first product is, is actually came out of the frustration, what I saw in the in the market, like when I was consulting and uh, doing building solutions for companies like Accenture and Microsoft. So it came out of frustration and, uh, and that's how it started. Uh, you know, like it's a, it's a bit funny. Like when I had, if I think back, you know, like uh, uh, there was no real intention to start it as a business. Okay, I just wanted to solve it as a, as a business problem, and uh, and eventually, you know, it, it turned out into. Uh, luckily, I had like uh, early customers who came through my blog mainly, and uh, uh, and were able to able to scale it. And how I, you know, what's important lesson in the last ten years, you know, is that. Uh, uh, luckily, somehow I got the hook and interest towards the business side of things. And the last 10 years, I'll say, like, uh, it's a kind of a vengeance, like how much, how much stuff you've read and, you know, the information you gather, like uh, all these conferences, you know, and for that's how we, we met, you know, like a SaaS stack is one conference, but, uh, you know, like pretty much I attended every single conference in the, in the, in the startup ecosystem, like uh, a business of software is another uh, good conference, like uh, I attended right from uh, 2011. Uh, a few more uh, other 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 conferences. So it's about you know like for people who are listening from technical background or uh, audience who are thinking about you know starting something, but your hardcore technical uh, fellow like how can you start it? Uh, it's you know it's how everything is uh, is learnable. You know like you know you can uh, as long as you have the will and uh, you really wanted to achieve something. Uh, that's a great opportunity these days you know like every skill is uh, you can you can you can acquire it uh, that's how it, it happened like uh, you can see a lot of books on the background i don't know whether it's just a podcast or a video thing you know this is just one set of books you know there's another big set of books on my uh, office uh, you know i spend spend a lot of time books books are one of the key inspirations for me like i spend a lot of time on reading uh, uh, books relevant books whenever i see a recommendation i picked it up and that's how it transformed into you know like the business side of things and once you get a hang of it then it becomes easy like uh, you know like you get people on board and then they hand over and you, you gradually grow from there yeah. so so uh, that, that's great stuff so in terms so 
you strengthen in the areas where you need to strengthen as as a CEO, right? And learn how to be a CEO. Um, you, you know, first by I guess kind of reading, also by doing, uh, you, you know, as, as well, right? Uh, but then uh, certain things that you're you realize that you're stronger, as you say, like, you know, from the product side of things and maybe sales and marketing is like, I need to know about them, but I'm not going to be the head of marketing or, or, the, or the head of sales and need to kind of recruit or like identify the weaknesses and then kind of like fill those weaknesses with uh, people that are just generally like ideally somewhat stronger in, in those positions, right? That's correct. I think, you know, like if you look at any, uh, yeah, most of the successful CEOs, what else, so, you know, I'm, I'm just observing like you know, a lot of them, you know, like you keep a couple of people ahead of you, right? You monitor them, you watch them, what you are, what they're doing and you want to mimic and you, you get there. Majority of them I have seen, you know, like all the successful founders, uh, the learning is one thing, basically, you know, like uh, when you run a company, you need to have a hold of pretty much everything. You cannot be a master of uh, everything, but at least you know enough uh, to, you know, like even if you're, if you're hiring head of marketing, right? You should, you should at least know what type of questions you would ask and, you know, what are you trying to uh, fulfill, etc. So learning is a, is a, is a very critical and uh, that, is, uh, that is one thing uh, I'll say like uh, it helped, helped me a lot in the last 10 years to scale the company. Yeah, yeah definitely a good point. I mean, actually, reflecting on my... I'm, an I'm not a, I'm, I'm a um, more of a, a sales uh, sort of like, uh, focused kind of founder, um, um, certainly not not uh, technical. Um, but yeah, to that point, when you, you use the example around, uh, like if you're hiring a head of marketing, knowing the right questions. And I, I've often found that, uh, like certainly in the early days of like SaaS stock, when we were hiring a head of marketing, it's like, okay, well, like I sort of know what to ask, or you have your, your process of interview questions. But certain things that we just wouldn't have known about because we didn't have the experience in, um, and uh, you know, upon reflection, then that's uh, you know has happened in the past to not led to you know success, right? So having some degree you know of knowledge of like you know when you're hiring um, you know somebody in a specific kind of role of like you know what questions to kind of ask. So like how how would you have done that? Is just through okay uh, like learning as much as you can and so how to hire a ahead of marketing, asking other people, uh, et cetera, reading about it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it kind of uh, stitches back to your second point, you know, being bootstrapped as well, right? So you, you're you short of money, basically. You know, you need to do everything yourself in the early days. Uh, that's how, you know, I, you know, pretty much I run the entire uh, Google AdWords campaign myself. You know, I put the AdWords copy and campaigns and uh, keyword research and uh, everything, just to give an example. Uh, so that makes, you know, by the time, uh, even today, when I'm interviewing people, I get really, to some extent, angry. Like, you know, I, I'm not a master in in uh, adverts, but how am I able to ask better questions than, uh, you know, you are, you are the, you are, you're supposed to be, you are a professional and you need to know a lot of things, like, you know, like, uh, so, but the yearly work, what uh, you have done, like, you know, two, one, at least two years of hardcore uh, involvement into day-to-day you know, setting up Google Tag Manager and setting up Google uh, Analytics and that those, you learn everything. Basically, you need to figure out a way how to get the data. So all those initial uh, doing because of the need uh, helped you to, you know, like uh, learn it better and then uh, and do it. And same on the sales side as well. You know, I have done uh, at least the first initial, you know, like a, a thousand demos I would have given myself. You know, the first uh, thousand demos in the product that I was given by myself. 
not only giving demos and after that you know like uh, the entire uh, the crm activity of uh, following up and then closing it may not be if now i look uh, look back it may not be the efficient use of your time but that initial investment and uh, you know doing the grind yourself has just given a really good base for you to understand everything and now you know exactly you know how what what will work what will not work you know just by the looking at the instance you'll know exactly you know uh, you don't need to spend a lot of time you know exactly whether it's working or not it's i'll say it's, it's just you know you didn't have enough money to hire people initially by just by doing it yourself uh, for the first uh, two years until the business can stabilize uh, help you to create that base along with the, the learning characteristics yeah as a technical founder was it initially you, you talk about doing these thousand demos which is fantastic and you, you know they the, the common uh, advice to get is you, you know for, for for founders that you know in the first sort of year or two that you should be leading you know the sales so you're speaking to the customers so you're learning you're getting the feedback on what works and, and what doesn't work as the the sole founder um you i guess had to do that right you didn't have your your uh, the co-founder who might be the sales kind of person to do that did you find it initially in those early days in in any way um challenging uh, like you, you know being that uh, i don't know the technical person i don't know like coming onto a customer call was, was it things that you didn't enjoy doing so much but you then found that you know over time that you, you know you got the flow of it and you, you know would really enjoyed it no i think uh, it may be due to the nature of the product as well the, the initial product it's called bistock 360 you know it's a very niche product and it's it's a mainly targeted towards a large enterprise customers on the enterprise integration space and uh, for that kind of a product you know it's a, you need somebody with a technical background to give that demo it's not that you know you can try and you can hire a, a sdr or account executive and ask them to do a demo Uh, because it's not just knowing the product it's knowing the entire uh, industry i would say like you know what are the other parts to give just be, before giving the, the demo so that is also one reason you know like i couldn't hire the right person as well like it's a combination of you need to have somebody who's deep technical and also have that kind of a, like a, a, the, the communication and skills kind of thing uh, that, that that's why you know i was doing all the demos myself and uh, Uh, and also the type of uh, uh, audience the customer uh, i was speaking to is also technical technical background that's what i'm selling to like enterprise architects and ctos and kind of people so i would say in kind of you know it worked out well because uh, i i if i look back you know that the demo to uh, paid conversion is something like 80 90% that time like you know like uh, Uh, when i look at now the all the small new products like document 360 and the percentage of conversion it's this is no no this there's no comparison basically you know that, that the the reason being I'm, i'm sure it's always when founder sells something it's easy to convert that is one aspect on top of that being a technical product and the, you you build all those trust uh, immediately by the time you talk to them and you can speak in their own language and you know exactly what you're talking what is their pain point even before they they mention something you know exactly that is the pain point you have and this is the solution we have you map it and then the sale becomes uh, pretty uh, pretty easy and that's how it uh, it ended up you know being i you know i ended up giving lot of uh, a lot of demos and i think it took me 3 years or something to you know like get a second you know the, the former team to uh, give a demo and uh, even at that stage you know of course you know the the conversion started to dip a bit 
but you need to make a decision you know are you going to continue giving and keeping that percentage or you're better off having you know like a, a loser somebody else doing it at a 60 70 percent of what you can do and that's what uh, happened uh, eventually yeah yeah i know the uh well i think all, all founders know the the, the feeling uh, uh, too well. And then let's talk about the, the, the bootstrapping sort of odds then overcoming that. So why why choose to bootstrap like initially and then throughout the years, you, you know, throughout the 10 years, you, you know, have there been moments where you've thought about raising, uh, you, you know, and yes, no, you know, offers on the table, you know, what are the stories, you know, around that? Um, and is this going to be bootstrap forever uh, sort of business? So let's start from the beginning and then kind of go through uh, until where we are now. Yeah, sure. As I mentioned in the beginning, you know, it's not that, you know, I really wanted to do the world like I can bootstrap a company to 10 million. It didn't happen that way. Uh, it just happened organically. Like initial days, like uh, when I started the business, it's a very niche uh, market. You know, you are, there's no way you can convince a VC or even an angel to, you know, invest in that product because the market size was uh, too low. Uh, too low in the sense it's not really too low, you know, like uh, uh, just to give you a context, like uh, this Microsoft Bistock server is a product from uh, Microsoft to its, uh, its enterprise integration uh, product. So Microsoft themselves got only 12,000 customers worldwide for the, for the product. So it's a very, very small for uh, even at any scale. And the, on, on, with that, you're building a product on, on that 12,000 customers and potentially you can, you know, like your market cap could be, you know, 2,000 customers is what you're talking as a, so it's very difficult to convince a VC to uh, do it. And also the, the other thing is, this is actually like a greenfield uh, product. It's not that, you know, there's a, there's a reference point in the market where you're trying to compete with the player and you have like, you know, you can go this like It's actually like, you know, like a, a kind of a market uh, create, you know, like a market creating product at a very small scale. You know, you're not bringing like a marketing automation product or something like that. But that's again, you know, like against uh, the, the VC fundamentals of, you know, like yeah, whether it's investable business. So that's how I started. And, uh, and, uh, what happened is due to the enterprise nature of the product, the ticket size is reasonably good. You're talking about at least $10,000 is the starting price of a, of a product anywhere. It can go up to $100,000, uh, uh, even more, actually. Like, so we have a few customers uh, above that 100K mark, uh, uh, mark as well. So what happened was you're a single kind of a single founder, and then I formed a team of five people running, out, running the business from my home that time. So your cash flow become positive very soon because you know once you close like you know four or five customers in a month that's good enough for you to run uh, your team uh, in a in a comfortable way. So it, it's a we just ran that like that for you know three four years and then you know you started uh, getting the cash back up and you reach a stage where you know you don't really need any external funding because uh, the customers uh, uh, revenue become like a good enough to uh, do it and also you know like. Uh, 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 just to be decided to go organically as well, like not taking too much risk. I was very conservative for the first eight years of the business. Maybe if I look back, I might have scaled uh, uh, significantly, like if I had taken money or I got a, a, somebody who was done it before, like around 2014-15 timeframe. But I continued in the same way, maybe to conservative mindset as well. Uh, so that, you know, eventually, you know, the cash become uh, uh, positive and then we didn't have a necessity to uh, take any external external funding. Uh, you, you follow up to your question, are you going to continue in the same way forever? 
the answer is you know there is no definitive answer like because what happened now is okay that, that it was okay for that product originally and now we are really like you know with the the, the 10 million revenue and this enough cash coming in and we are profitable always we are always profitable we never uh, ran out of money uh, we try to push more than what we have kind of thing so we can continue this way but some of the new products what we are taking like uh, for example document 360 is a classic example so there's a pure red ocean kind of uh, kind of a product there's so many in the market and you need to stand out and we are confident we can stand out because there's still a lot of gaps in the market but for to push that product to a, to a big level like you know you might need uh, uh, we are trying to you know like uh, run it as it is but if there is an opportunity like where you can exponentially scale if you have enough funding you know we might take funding but as i said at this stage there's no thinking like you know i, I get a lot of vc calls uh, you know not vc calls there's a lot of outreach from a lot of vcs continuously like you know you get at least 10 10 emails uh, in a week uh, and uh, i i reply with the standard template saying the same same answer basically you know we are not ready uh, i'm sure we won't take money this year we will check back in 2022 that's the answer basically yeah. And then I guess the, the kind of the third and final point, right, around being a single founder. So again, the, the common advice, right, is, um, and, and you'll get it from Paul Graham right through to probably, you know, every VC and uh, and, and people that's spoken at the SaaS stage, but they're like, you, you've got a better chance of like, why go it alone? You know, bring a co-founder in, you kind of, you, you know, it's a very difficult job being a CEO, like scaling a, a business. Um, so again, you said like none of these things are necessarily by, by choice, uh, kind of like initially, but I guess that there is a choice when you're a single founder and you've come up with the idea, the product to be yourself, but to bring somebody in to kind of share, you know, some of the burden, right. Uh, but also they might, they might compliment you if you're the technical founder to bring in somebody who is the, the sales led founder or something like that. Um, yeah. So what, what what is it about that the choice that you made okay i'm going to be a single founder i'm not going to bring somebody in and then like some of your uh you, you know learnings from that and were there any moments where you're like oh i wish i did have a team of three or four you know co-founders um uh, with me uh yeah i think uh, definitely you know like again uh uh I guess there are challenges on both sides you know if maybe if you ask somebody with a co-founder kind of uh uh, background uh, because uh, uh, conflict between co-founders is another big uh, challenge, right? So you don't know like uh, there's no right and wrong answer, and you know like uh, in 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 our case it worked out. And as I said, uh, some of the some of the answers I given before, it's just due to the, you know like uh, it turned out that way. Like okay, you started off and you've been as a bootstrap company and you're organically growing slowly, and by five years time you are matured and the, with the cash flow what you have uh, you reach a potential where you know you can hire the best talent uh, rather than you know like uh, uh, to fill the gaps basically what a typical co-founder will will fill you, you you have the potential now to get the best talent and fill those uh, those gaps but when you're starting like you know like uh, definitely the risks are high being a single founder like you know like a uh, uh, being a founder, uh, you need to know a lot of things. I, as I said, like, you know, even if you don't know uh, everything, you at least need to know enough to run that uh, department. Like, you know, you need a level of expertise on marketing, you need a level of expertise on sales, go to market strategies, and you need to keep up with all these uh, things uh, happening. 
you need to give customer support and uh, you know like a finance and uh, every there's a lot of buckets you need to fill and that's why when you're starting up uh, it's a typically you know two or three people they they with a different varying background one with the one guy got a technical background one got a business background and one got a, a finance background that's a combination you come and they do it i think uh, uh, i think charge b is a good example like chris is a good friend and you know he's a I know like uh, Chris is a more a CEO kind of a person and then uh, Rajaram is more like a technical. That's a, p- a perfect combination, right? Then uh, the only disadvantage I see being is, uh, okay, one of the disadvantages I see with single founder is you need to have a lot of trust uh, in those uh, management layer, right? Uh, because you can't afford to lose them and there's a lot of confidential things. Uh, sometimes it may be better if they have stake in the business and uh, you know like uh, equal trust and uh, that that factor that bond is there uh, when it's a let's say employee kind of relationship there is a level of uh, that uh, uh, that friction you know you need to play, play carefully but luckily in our case you know uh, we have people been with, with me for like uh, over you know right from the beginning like uh, they, they have grown along with the company and you know we take care of them in uh, in a different way and the other option you know thing is uh, we don't have any stock options or anything you know that is again it's a bit uh, a different setup uh, because uh, the the challenge is you know a lot of times the stock options could be like a paper money right uh, it does it may, it it may worth nothing like you know like uh, until there is uh, some kind of a dilution even either you are taking more funds or you are planning for an ipo etc so that we know it, it won't work out well in our case so we rather have like a good salary and uh, some kind of a bonus arrangements and uh, periodic rewards when there is a key moments like when you win something bigger or you know like a, that's how we've been uh, running running the uh, running the company so again you know like uh, to summarize all those three points none of them actually is not planned you know like all the because if you now you look back all of them are against odds basically you know like uh, uh vcs or uh, uh people generally they don't prefer single founder uh, someone coming from technical background and learning about business and scaling is is also a bit unusual and bootstrap versus uh, uh funding is uh, is another thing uh yeah i think i'll say it's a bit of a luck and then constant grinding and hard work and uh, being persistent and focused on what you're doing uh that's what actually like uh, where we are now yeah well uh, i mean great uh learnings takeaways there and obviously you, you know great to see that say you've bucked the uh the conventional kind of wisdom overcome those odds uh you know and, and have built this uh this company that's uh north of 10 million uh arr um which wasn't an overnight success and they never are right as you said it was that grind it's that hard work you you know uh every day you know every week sort of coming into uh, uh into work and, and building the company but um but yeah fantastic to see Uh, what you can achieve uh, by doing that and and so a uh, great stuff and I really appreciate you coming in and and, and sharing with the Sasdog audience on on how you've overcome those uh, uh, specific odds to to build a successful SaaS company so really appreciate that uh, uh, Saravana yeah thank you very much Alex you know it's a, it's a pleasure talking to you and you know like it's good to go back on the memory lane sometimes and see what you've done yeah. thanks very much Saravana Kumar uh, CEO of uh, of Kuvai Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com/events to find all the upcoming SaaSdoc conferences around the world.